Hey, everybody, and welcome to CEO Sit-Downs, where I, John Cannell, your host, have sit-down conversations with CEOs from all walks and all industries to hear their stories, pick their brains, and learn from their experience. On today's show, I'm happy to welcome Nathan Murray. Nathan is the CEO of Murray Marketing Services, a Nebraska marketing firm that specializes in website design, video production, digital marketing, Google, Facebook ads, and much more, all for an affordable price. I really enjoyed this interview as I've never been too inclined toward the marketing side of the business world, but Nathan gave me a great education and I really enjoyed our discussion. So, if you've ever wanted to learn the intricacies of Google and Facebook ads and all things digital, this is the episode to listen to. That said, and without further ado, I invite you to pull up a chair and listen in to my conversation with Nathan Murray. Nathan, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Hey, John. How's it going? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Real quick, Nathan, I want to get into your background. You were born, and then what happens? Take us from there up to here, if you would. Yeah, I'll run through it quick. So I'm from Kearney, Nebraska. Um, went to Kearney High. Fast forward, um, played my freshman year of college football at Lindenwood University in St. Louis. Um, and then I ended up transferring back home to UNK in Kearney. Played football for another year. Um, COVID hit, canceled my junior season. Um, and at the same time, got offered an internship marketing wise. That was my kind of fork in the road. I said, Hey, I'm probably not going to make money playing football. So I'm going to take this internship and, you know, let my body rest a little bit. So I ended up taking the marketing internship at Kearney Regional Medical Center. Um, really, that's how I got started with what I do now. Um, did that for a year going into my senior year of college. Um, graduated from UNK with a marketing degree, um, ended up taking a digital marketing coordinator position at Southeast Bank in Knoxville, Tennessee. So moved across the country, um, started my business time before before then, which we can can back up and get there. But that's a quick, quick rundown of where I'm at now. That's great. Was there, I know you said, um, when you started working as an intern for the hospital that you really kind of got the marketing bug, if you will. But were there any uh, indicators when you were a kid, a teenager even, that you were you had that sense of marketing? Yeah. Um, honestly, playing football in college, it was really football, 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 and I'm just getting good grades in school with a marketing major, but I really didn't know what exactly I wanted to do with that major. It was kind of just a major to have a major in a sense. Um, so when I took that internship, I knew a little bit about marketing. Um, but as my time there expanded, kind of learned more and more and more. And then eventually I was like, hey, like this is like I'm having a lot of fun doing this. This is what I want to do kind of then had the goal of, hey, I want to be in digital marketing or I want to be a marketing director someday, et cetera. So that's when I knew through that 
junior year of college kind of, all right, I have a marketing degree, but one, this is the right or marketing major. Um, one, this is the right major, but two, I can really see myself and kind of set some goals for down the line of what I want to do with the career. But before that internship, had a had a marketing major, but really had no idea what I wanted to do with it. When you talk about having fun over the course of the internship, what does that entail? Was it, you know, doing mock designs? Was it designing campaigns? What's involved in the fun aspect? Yeah, so my first my first project, kind of week one of uh, my internship, was my manager. Um, we were outsourcing Google Ads to an agency, which just ironically where I'm at now. I get so she gave me the information. She said, "Hey, I want you to do an ROI um, analysis, return on investment. Kind of is this working?" Kind of, am I putting my money in the right spot? Like, what does this mean? And I get this information and I had never done anything with Google ads before. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can figure this out for you. Kind of literally a fake it till I make it sort of thing. Didn't even know where to start. Had to look up kind of what the abbreviations meant. Um, tried giving the best report I could. Obviously that was my first introduction to Google ads. Um, so putting together that project was fun. I kind of enjoyed learning about it. Um, obviously my projects would evolve as internship involved or evolved as well. Um, but just the random one-off projects, one thing led to another, um, ended up getting my Google ad certification during that internship. Um, instead of outsourcing the ads to an agency, we brought them in-house and I ran them. So that was my first um, experience with that. And when that started, that's kind of when I really, really started. I was like, okay, I love the the analytics part of this. Kind of, is this keyword doing better than this keyword? Um, are we getting that ROI? That's kind of when the wheels started turning and I just wanted to learn more and more online. Um, but yeah, I'll hold off because then, then I'll kind of start getting into how the business started and sure. Yeah. Tell, tell me more. How did your business get started? What were those early clients and how did that all begin? Yeah. So during, um, kind of the beginning of summer, late spring of that internship, kind of that final stretch of the year long internship, I had just gotten, um, Google ad certified, had started my fundamentals of digital marketing certification through Google online, um, which is a free course. And I recommend really anybody interested to take it. Um, my brother's now fiance's mom had started an interior design company and she reached out to me and said, Hey, Nathan, um, I know you're a marketing student. Can you make us a website? Or do you know how to make a website? And I said, I have no idea how to make a website, but I can figure it out and I'll, and I'll make you one. So that was my, I mean, that was my first client. So I had taught myself how to make a website on Squarespace was the, was the website builder I used, worked with them, 
really just went on YouTube and taught myself how to make a, a website on Squarespace, met with them. Hey, like what sort of pages do we want? Just came up with a price of what I think it, what I think it should charge. I don't even think we agreed to a price until it was done. I think they just paid me, you know, whatever we thought was fair at the time. We just kind of like, yeah, let's just see how long it takes. And it's, it'll be a good experience for me. So really the money wasn't a huge deal. It was just kind of more of a fun project. Um, worked with them really to help launch, got the website launched, gave them advice on logo color, you know, really anything and everything leading up to the launch. That is really when I started to love it. I was like, okay, I love working with the client, making this website was super fun, you know, helping them launch their business. That was timeline wise through the spring of 2021 going into the fall. So my internship was over in August. And when my internship was over, I said, Hey, um, I'm going to do my own, I'm going to launch my own business, call it Murray marketing services. I'm going to do it for a semester. My first semester senior year, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I'm just going to go all in. Um, I, re- I got big into Gary V through that summer. If you've ever heard of Gary V um, and he was big on like, just do it. Like just go all in, go do it. So I said, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it for a semester. Um, that was August, 2021. And we are over a year now. So obviously I kept, I kept going after that first semester, it worked out and they were my first client. And I have now worked with about 25 clients. So it's, it's been, it's been awesome. And obviously the, the knowledge I've picked up from the start to now has been, has been pretty tremendous, but yeah, that's kind of the spiel of, of how I got started. So say I'm a client, I've got a smaller company, not insignificant, but not huge either. I need marketing services. I have no idea what to do. All I know is that I was given your name and that you could help me. Walk us through how that process should go, what you would be thinking about as the marketer, what I should be thinking about as the CEO. Walk us through that. Yeah. So if you came to me, you know, fresh business, really the question of where do I start? Um, I would start with a checklist, you know, first things first, do you have a Facebook page? Do you have an Instagram page, LinkedIn? Um, in some cases, Twitter reason why that's number one is because that's free. You know, if you're going to have even a side hustle where you're doing, maybe you do it one month out of the year, you might as well have a Facebook page. It's free. There's no reason to not have it. Um, so if they have a Facebook page, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever is applicable, I would recommend just making one of everything. Like I said, it's free and it, it doesn't hurt to just have, um, so if they have social, it's a good start. Um, Google my business, arguably probably more important than social um, because that is, if you're not familiar with Google My Business, it is the essentially the local directory of businesses. So if you, a good example I always provide is when you do a fast food near me search. So you'll get 
all of the nearest, maybe McDonald's, Wendy's, uh, but those are created on a Google My Business page. So if you search uh, marketing services in Kearney, Nebraska, you'll see Murray Marketing pop up, um, a couple others, but basically by making a Google My Business page, you're telling Google who you are, what you do, the service you provide, whether you're a restaurant, a bridal shop, a dentist, you know, really anything. And then you put your address in there, obviously, is how it becomes a local directory. And that's how you show up in local searches. And arguably, that's probably one of the most important things you could do, especially if you're a local service business or a local business in anything. Um, so that would be number two. Probably honestly move that back up to number one, um, which is it's also totally free to make. So really no reason why you shouldn't have it. A lot of people just don't know about it. Um, after that, you move into a website. This is where you start getting into the investment. Where you are ready to take the next step. Um, it is another funnel for you traffic wise. So you have your first funnel of social, your second of Google My Business. Um, and then your third, where you can drive traffic from your Google My Business, especially is to a website. And that's where you can really get into depth on your service and convert clients or e-commerce e sales, et cetera. Um, so that's always a good place to start. And then once you get a website going, obviously you move into some paid advertising, whether that be advertising on Facebook, um, digital advertising wise, advertise on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, any of the socials, um, move into Google ads. Obviously you can go more traditional and go radio ads, et cetera. But I always would say to start, um, with a digital advertising form, just because a lot of those you do pay by the click. So really you're, you're not paying for a billboard where you're paying 500 bucks a month and you're paying that no matter what, but if you run Google ads for say, if you have a $500 budget, you're only going to spend that entire 500 if you get actual clicks on the advertisement and actual traffic to the website. Um, I guess I can pause. I don't know if there's any aspects of that that I should break down further. Yeah, I need an education on it all. So for starters, I mean, it made sense to me. You set up the social because it's free. You go into the Google directory, so on and so forth. But let's really get into the nitty gritty of Google ads and Facebook ads. Because from the way you talk and from what I've heard and just general conversation, those are different. Those are specialized. After all, you got your own certification for it all. So break those down for us, would you, Nathan? Yeah, so Google ads and Facebook ads is what's called a form of PPC advertising, meaning pay-per-click, kind of what goes back on. You only pay when someone actually clicks on your ad. Um, so if you get on Google, for example, if you get a thousand impressions, meaning a thousand people saw your ad, but only a hundred of those people actually clicked on the ad, you only pay for those hundred clicks. You don't pay for the other 900 that didn't click, but another benefit that's brand awareness. They saw your ad just because they didn't click. They might've read it. They're familiar with your brand more than they were 
more than they were before. Um, but yeah, so benefits of PPC in general, one, like I mentioned, you only pay for the click. Two, it's measurable, meaning I can see directly I'm driving traffic to my website from the Google Ads with an end goal of phone calls or contact form submissions. And if you set up tracking properly, you can actually go one-to-one -one and say, hey, I got three phone calls and two contact form submissions from Google. And you can directly attribute that to your advertising campaign versus, I always use the billboard example where you might be estimated by the billboard company that you're going to get five or 10,000 people are going to drive by this billboard every month, but you can't put one-to-one -one of, Hey, this person saw my billboard and it led directly to a phone call. Cause there's nothing you can track on the back end unless you ask them physically on the phone say, Hey, how'd you hear my business? And if they say, I saw your billboard, you can put it one-to-one. Um, but with PPC, you can utilize analytics and tracking where through, you know, cookies and such and all of other, you know, Google's algorithm um, information, you can track it one-to-one. -one. So that's a big benefit of really you can measure your ROI down to, you know, the penny in most cases. Um, lastly is Budget-wise, you can utilize as little of a budget as you want for month, per month. You could, I mean, you could do a dollar a day. You could do $30 a month if you wanted to. Obviously, you're not going to get massive amounts of traffic with $30 a month, um, but you can do as little as you want. You can do as most or as much as you want. What I always recommend is we start at, you know, something that you are willing to lose obviously it's not a guarantee so if you you go in you start at you know just whatever's in your marketing budget but you start to see results you can always increase that budget so you can go as little as you want as high as you want um, you only pay for the click and you can really really see hey if i'm putting a dollar in i'm getting two dollars out let's put in more dollars or i'm putting a dollar in i'm only getting 50 cents out Maybe this isn't the right form of advertising for me, but really what I like about it, what I tell my clients is to really know you want to run it for 90 days, run a campaign for 90 days. After those 90 days, we'll be able to look and say, hey, is this working or is it not? And we'll, I mean, we'll have a conversation. I really, if we're not, if we're not getting, if we're not putting a dollar in and getting more than a dollar out, I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, Let's just keep going because obviously it's you can see on the numbers that we're not in the profit. So that's that's a big benefit there. Hey, everybody. Do you enjoy Twitter but find yourself doom scrolling and wasting too many hours reading Elon Musk's tweets? Do you want to stay up to date with your favorite writers, actors and public figures without falling into the sinkhole that is your Twitter feed? If that's the case, you need to go to mailbrew.com. Mailbrew allows you to create a personal digest of your favorite Twitter accounts delivered to your email every morning. Simply set it, forget it, and wait for the email in your inbox. The best part is, it's free. I use it myself to keep up with a number of personalities 
without getting sucked into Twitter's black hole, and I can't recommend it enough. Again, it's mailbrew.com. Start saving your precious time and sign up today. Now let's get back to the conversation. Let's talk more about those numbers really quick, though, Nathan, because, you know, digital advertising um, is pretty remarkable in that sense that you can track attribution so accurately. Tell us more about attribution, the analytics behind it, why it's so crucial, and how, how this strategizing goes when it comes to a digital ad spend, whether it be Facebook and Google and all, all just all of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so I, I, what I'm going to do is how you target Facebook ads is a little bit different than Google ads. Um, is let me go into the actual conversion tracking and then if it works with you, kind of talk about what's different between targeting between Facebook and Google. I think that might be a good way. Yeah, go for it. Please go for it. So conversion tracking that's obviously that means that's how we are able to tell if we're putting a dollar in and getting more than a dollar out or you know in some cases less it's not it's not just a magic wand where every single business puts in a dollar and gets out more or else you know every 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 single business across the country would just be putting as much money as possible into into paid ads um so what you do you know, the classic service business. So really there's two ways that they can get a new client. In most cases, um, one, filling out a contact form. Two, a phone call. So those are the most two important um, conversion actions of those campaigns. So that's what we are going to optimize our campaign for. That's what we're going to tell Facebook or Google that we want to get. That's the goal of our campaign. So how you set that up is through Google Tag Manager, which this is kind of where it gets more in depth. And um, you set it up through Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics. And that's where that's a lot of the things that I've picked up on since I first started. knew about it, but really going in and setting it up correctly, it kind of takes some, some time and practice and everything I learned is on YouTube, which is totally free. So, um, you can go out there and and learn, but you want to set up the, the campaign with correct conversion tracking. So you're optimizing for the right things in this example, contact form submissions and phone calls for say a service-based industry to get a new client breaking it down between kind of the benefits or what's different between Google and Facebook. Facebook is more, in my opinion, you know, you're just going through and scrolling. Um, So that's where you want to get into the interest targeting. So as I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, they might be looking something up on especially around the holidays, you're looking up a, some sort of product. You were on the website for quite a while. You were thinking about buying it, but you didn't buy it. And then next thing you know, you're on Facebook the next day and you see an advertisement for the exact same product that you had in your cart and you're about to buy. That's, that's what's called retargeting. 
meaning you landed on their page, thought about it, and, and the company went out and retargeted you with that product that you were interested in. So Facebook is a lot to do with interest targeting, what you're interested in. Um, you can target based off demographics. So if you're you know, a, a 65 year and older product, you can only target if you want people age 65 years and older. Um, you can target people that are in college only, you know, really you can get really in depth with the targeting and that's just based off your customer profile and, and who your ideal customer is. So that's, what's important with Facebook is just all of the different interest targeting. You can do location targeting, just want to get your target audience very ideal to what your customer base is like. So you are showing for those to those right people. And do you set um, those preferences when you when you create the ad? Like within Facebook, you just check, you know, over 65 mail, all those different things? Yep. So within Facebook's platform, um, you can target age. Just as you build a campaign, you, you have all these different interest targeting options, location targeting options. Um, if you only want to show ads, obviously, if you're a, a local Nebraska business and you don't do... Maybe you only do business in Lincoln. So you're only going to target Lincoln because there's there's no need to target the whole entire United States because you only travel 10 miles around Lincoln. So just really, you know, targeting location, interests. So, you know, there's different examples for different services or industries. Um, but yeah, you do that all within, all within the campaign and then you can go through and you know, optimize it as you go, do some A to B testing. Hey, let's test this group of people against people interested in this and kind of see who performs better um, and just really optimize the campaign as you go, test out new audiences. Um, yeah, if that, if that answers your question. I think it it does. I always, I always suspected you could do all that stuff. I mean, it's obvious. But just just the level of granularity, the level of detail that you can get down to, is kind of spooky to me. If I'm being honest, I it's the same thing. It, especially me being in it now, because I've really dove into all the different interests and you know, age, gender. I mean, you can get very dialed in. It's kind of especially being in digital marketing. I see you know ads all the time about, you know, things I'm interested in. And I'm just thinking to my head, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's good targeting. Cause I'm, cause I'm interested in that stuff, yeah. you know, but it is kind of spooky. So that leads to the question, how, does Google have similar features? Cause I mean, we don't use Google the same way we use Facebook, but I know mm -hmm. Google has YouTube and various other entities that are probably collecting that information. Does Google operate in a similar way? Yeah. So the difference between kind of when I would recommend or what, what are the pros and cons of Facebook versus Google? So when you're on Facebook, you're more into, you're just looking for that social content. You're just scrolling. You're not on Facebook shopping. Well, unless you're on Facebook marketplace, in some cases you are, but in, in most cases you're kind of just scrolling versus Google. 
at least for me, 95% of the time you go to Google, I like to say it's really at the point of purchase. So if somebody is looking for, for example, an epoxy flooring company in Lincoln. So probably what they're going to type in is epoxy flooring near me or epoxy flooring Lincoln or best epoxy flooring company physically they're they're kind of ready to buy they're ready to at least learn more maybe schedule an inspection etc call and kind of see prices but google is very powerful because you're showing at the ideal time in most cases where you bid on keywords and it's kind of the point of purchase you go to google you're more likely to buy so that's the difference Google, you're more focused on keywords, what someone's going to type in. Facebook, you're more focused on interests, kind of more who is my ideal customer? What are they interested in? Let me just get in front of the right person. And it might be more of an awareness thing. Um, You do see good, you do see good results on Facebook as well, sale wise, but Google, especially for service-based industries, they're going to go to Google to look for your product. So that's where you want to be. You want to show right at right at the point of purchase there. Yeah, to your point, it, it does amaze me uh, how often I use Google throughout the day, and I don't even know it because I'm just going to the internet to look something up, but it's always through Google. Everyone's always through Google. I mean, right. it's, it's just crazy. That, that said, Nathan, so when I purchase a Google ad, am I purchasing... Um, space at the top of the search ranking? Is that where I'm purchasing? Because the reason I ask is I'll be on some website and they'll have these columns on either side with Google ads, a bar at the top, bar at the bottom. Explain to us what the difference is there. Is it all encompassed? What is it? Yeah. So both, both examples. So what you're describing is a Google display ad, meaning okay. more images, those will pop up on websites you're on, um, et cetera, maybe before YouTube video or at the bottom of a YouTube video. Um, so there are different types of Google ads campaigns. Um, I was describing Google search ads, kind of when you go do a Google search, you're trying to appear at the very top of the results above the organic results, meaning the free results, people that aren't paying for the ad. So another benefit, it automatically gets you to the top um, above those organic results. So that's a search ad. There are display ads, like I said, show up on websites. They are the more, you know, graphics. Um, Some might be text only. You can do YouTube ads through through Google, which are more the video content. There are you can advertise through like Gmail. There's a lot of, I, I never, so the extent that I recommend is search number one. And then when I get into Google retargeting ads, that's where I like doing display ads um, because display ads are more awareness-based because you pay for the click only. And as you can imagine, a lot of people don't click on display ads, at least me personally. So it's a really high number of impressions for a low cost. And if you do it retargeting, meaning 
let's only show our display ads for people that have already visited our website. So we're showing to kind of the, the prime, they're at least somewhat interested. So let's show this display ad to them five times and kind of just stay in front of them and then hopefully drive them back. Um, so I always go search first, then you kind of get into some display retargeting. I haven't ever gotten to the YouTube ads. I know they're effective, but you need to make an effective video. And a lot of people don't like being recorded or don't want to make that effective video. So if if you have a great video, then I think YouTube is a great spot to be YouTube ads because you can target the video. You know, I could target all digital marketing videos. I can target a specific channel and show for all of, you know, before all of Mr. Beast's YouTube videos, I want to show this ad. <laughs> um, keywords, you know, you can get into, into targeting anywhere, but. That's yeah, just crazy to me. But that, I mean, the main the, one is search display and, and YouTube, I would say. The, the level of precision we can get with these kind of things literally blows my mind. I mean, I don't know really anything about marketing. So this is, this is mostly new to me, except from what I've experienced, but that, that's just crazy. So yeah. this might be a dumb question, but how much does a click cost? Or are they all uniform? What's the different click cost rate? I don't know. Yeah, so it's it's cost per click, CPC is what it stands for. Okay. Um, but it all depends on the industry. So a good example that I like to use when explaining this is, let's say I have a t-shirt company. And then let's say I have, you know, a dentist, a dentist client. So to get a new client, the client is worth you know, to a dentist, a lot more than a guy selling t-shirts. So to explain it more, if you can get one new client as a dentist or a doctor, you know, in any of those medical service-based industries, most clients or most doctors would, we would be willing to pay, you know, upwards of 500 plus dollars to get one new client because they know that they'll make that money back eventually. So a cost per click for, you know, medical industry might be anywhere from $8 to 15 to 20, you know, it all, it all just depends on the keywords, but versus a t-shirt company where the lifetime value of a customer is, is far less, they might make one or two purchases in their life you'd be paying anywhere from 50 cents to $2. So it's just, if a client is worth more or if a new customer is worth more in their lifetime, generally the cost per click will be more. Good example, like lawyers, doctors, dentists, they're willing to pay more money for a click versus like a t-shirt company or, you know, those consumer items are generally on the lower end. If, if that explained it, well, probably not. <laughs> no, no, it did. I, I always wondered, um, cause I've just heard, uh, different, different businesses talk about that. I wasn't sure how, how that would go. So say I was to run a Google ad and I was only going to spend, uh, let's throw 50 bucks out there, 50 bucks per month. 
by the time I get those number of clicks, does it just like stop showing anymore? Like say if each click was two bucks, you know, I had 25 clicks, then does Google just pull my ad? How does that work? So Google and Facebook, actually, they run on daily budgets. So if I always like to recommend really nothing lower than about like a $300 budget for the month. Um, so what we would tell Google, if we were doing a $300 budget for the month, we would set a daily budget of $10. So you wouldn't spend more than 300 in the 30 day period, but you could spend less. Um, and to answer your question, it would can. So if you run out of your $10 for the day, your ad stops showing for that day. And then you would just pick up the next day. So if you were spending $10 a day and your average cost per click was $2. As soon as you got five clicks for the day, your ad would stop running. And then Google would recommend that you increase your budget because you missed out on clicks. But really you want to increase it if you're, if you're getting results. Um, Google will always tell you to increase your budget because they want, they want more money. <laughs> so yeah. So there you're making a distinction between clicks and conversion. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Like I said, I wasn't sure how that worked. That said, when you meet with a prospective client or a current client, even, do you find that there is a, that there's just an instinct to pay for ads rather than to leverage like social media simply because we think it'll, it'll go farther. We're paying for it rather than just using the time and energy to leverage what's free. Do you find that to be a pattern at all? Um, well, so Facebook, you know, I would, the free, obviously you want to have it. Facebook business pages, let's say upwards of five years ago. I don't know when exactly everything changed, but Facebook business pages used to be like legit for businesses where the free version where you're really going to show to a lot of people. If you just post for free, you're generally going to show to a lot of people, but then Facebook changed their algorithm where I don't know if you notice on your personal Facebook, but it seems like you see the same people's posts all the time. It's because you're interacting with their stuff. So you're telling Facebook's algorithm, Hey, I like their content. Show me more of, John's post, show me more of Stacy's post. You're like your mom and your and your friends, you kind of always see them, but you're a lot of people are friends with 500 plus people on Facebook, but they only see about 30 of those people's posts half the time. So for businesses, for the free business business page, if the people that like their page aren't interacting with their posts, they'll never actually show to those people. So the algorithm changed and really pushed those free pages to the back burner. And it changed to where if you want to guarantee that you're going to show, you kind of have to pay. But it being a free source, I mean, 100% post on there. And if you're putting out good content, people are interacting with your stuff, you're going to show. Obviously, if it's just not as beneficial as it was previously, but it is free, so you should 100% utilize it. 
that I did not know. So thank you for that piece of knowledge. Hey, everybody. This is the last time I'll interrupt the interview. I promise. All I wanted to say is that if you're friends with any CEOs or just want to suggest a company whose CEO you'd like me to interview, let me know. Feel free to email me at john at ceositdowns.com. Any and all suggestions are appreciated. Now let's get back to the conversation. Next question. When it comes to Instagram, is it the same gamut? Because I know Facebook, well, technically Meta now owns Facebook and Instagram. They're two separate things. But do Facebook ads apply just across to Instagram as well? Or do you have to do something different? What's the process? Yep. So Meta owns both Facebook and Instagram. And when you're creating a Facebook campaign, whenever I say Facebook campaign, I'm always meaning Instagram and Facebook in one umbrella. You can target it and say, hey, I only want to show on Facebook or I only want to show on Instagram or, or both. Um, so when you get into the targeting, you can pick, you know, I want to show on the Instagram feed. I want to show on Instagram stories and I want to show on the Facebook marketplace. Um, but yeah, they're, they're under the same umbrella now. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I I feel like we've covered the Google side of things, the Facebook Mm -hmm. side of things, but tell me more, Nathan, about search engine optimization. Because I think a lot of folks who run a business have heard about this, or at least they've seen it in some kind of marketing thing that they should be doing. Um, What is it it exactly? Yeah, so search engine optimization, SEO is probably how a lot of people hear it. Um, That is how your website ranks to Google, essentially. Kind of how Google's algorithm views your website. So when I was referring to organic, the organic results in Google, that is where SEO comes into play. So simple SEO strategies are what Google's algorithm will look for. You know, is your website user friendly? Um, if you, if you are selling wedding dresses, does your website talk about selling webs? selling wedding dresses, does it provide useful content to the user, you know, about those wedding dresses? Um, Is it mobile friendly? So is it easy to use on mobile? That's a, that's actually a very big, and this came into play over the last year plus is Google's really emphasizing the importance of being mobile friendly. Um, Obviously, I mean, a lot of traffic is mobile. So just having a mobile optimized website will increase your SEO. Um, There's a lot of backend stuff that goes on your website, like heading tags, like meaning like a title, you know, your your subheading, your third subheading, kind of labeling those correctly. So if you are a bridal shop in Kearney, Nebraska, you might want one of your H1s or one of your subheadings to be Kearney, Nebraska bridal shop. Cause then you might, or you'll likely have a higher chance of ranking for, or appearing on those organic results for somebody going into Google and typing in 
bridal shop in Kearney, Nebraska. Because then Google search engine can look at your website and they can literally see those words. And if it's labeled an H1 or an H2, you're telling the search engine that it's pretty important. So it'll scan your website and it'll see, oh, bridal shop in Kearney, Nebraska. I'm going to show this website. Um, other things just, I mean, a lot of it's just having a, a quality website, um, having all the things in the back end, like heading tags, uh, meta descriptions, um, alt tags on your images, fast loading. It's, it's a long, it's really a long-term strategy as SEO. Sure. So is Google doing all of that with artificial intelligence or... Yeah, it's all ro- robots, computers doing all of that. Because, I mean, they appear the results in, what, like 0.3 seconds. <laughs> so it's all robot learning. And they always update their algorithm and, you know, might emphasize something more than the other. They kind of have an algorithm update and say, hey, we're really going to emphasize quality content. Like that's in 2023, that's what we think the users want. They want quality content or a year and a half ago, they said, we're really going to focus on mobile friendly sites. So just being in the news there, if you're working with like a web development team, just making sure that they're aware of these updates. And if they can make updates to your site, just making sure that you are still performing well in those areas. So is that something Google publishes the the algorithm, or is it just a news update? What how do how do how do people stay aware of such thing? So Google will come out with a you know a, a post on their site or like a, a press release or a, a new whatever you want to call it. But the tricky thing is is Google doesn't like sharing, you know, every single thing. So you really have to, you know, who knows what they all updated their site. It might be, they might provide like three paragraphs of what they did. So you just have to dive in and, you know, you can go on YouTube and type in Google's algorithm update, August, 2023. And, you know, you'll have all the different people on YouTube breaking it down of what they're seeing. So that's a lot of what I do and what, um, how I get the information is just kind of go on YouTube and let, you know, somebody that's been doing SEO for 15 years, explain it to me versus um, me going on to the news article and trying to digest it where this guy has been breaking it down for the last two weeks and he already has all the insights and it's just readily available. That amazes me. Um, And specifically what amazes me is those group of people who are able to give that information out and using YouTube to disseminate it. That, that is really something special in the world that we live in. 100%. Yeah. I mean, YouTube, it's free and yeah, I, it's just incredible the amount of things that you can learn on there. Oh my gosh. I mean, you were talking about it in the sense of marketing, but the number of home improvement things that I've mm-hmm. learned from YouTube, oh my gosh, they should all deserve a award of some kind. Okay. Um, that said, Nathan, I want to ask you, are there any particular marketing trends you're seeing uh, across, you know, variety of companies that you watch, that you analyze, especially here as we enter into the holiday season? Yeah, I mean, biggest things I'm seeing, you know, from the past three, 
year timeline, I mean, digital marketing is getting bigger and bigger every single year and it really won't stop um, for a lot of reasons. Platform wise, I like LinkedIn a lot. That's where you'll get a lot of free traffic. If you're going to post for free somewhere, go to LinkedIn. Um, you'll get a lot of organic traffic versus, you know, the Facebook, Instagram reason being on LinkedIn currently, if say I'm following you, John, or we're connected on LinkedIn and you like somebody's post that I've never heard of because you like that post, it will likely show in my feed and it'll say, John liked Susie's post. And I, and I'm not connected with Susie, but the reason I'm seeing it is because you liked it and then say, I like Susie's post. And now all of my connections might see. So that's the place to go organically right now. And really has been for at least the last year and a half. So it, it might be more saturated than it was a year and a half ago now. Uh, but it's still organically better than Facebook um, and Instagram. Other trends, I mean, video content, podcasts like this, um, video content, it really, are, I mean, our, our attention spans are just nothing now. So just producing video versus, you know, a text post video will obviously keep someone's attention for longer. Podcasts are big. Um, yeah, I think that's not, that's most of what I'm seeing right now. Does it ever concern you or uh, worry you that the attention span seems to shrink and shrink and shrink? Because now, like on YouTube, they have the shorts. Of course, Instagram has had their stories and Facebook does too. And with the advent of TikTok here in the United States, my golly, if, if anything is past 45 seconds, you might as right. well be talking to no one. Does that concern you at all? Because it does me. Yeah, it concerns me, but as a digital marketer, I mean, that's another thing. If you, I mean, you could post a TikTok and go from zero followers in your first TikTok, you could get 500,000 views, you know? So really, I mean, really utilizing as a business, especially TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook, I mean, every single platform has some sort of short video now. Um, and the thing with that is you can make a TikTok, but then you can cross post that same TikTok on every single platform. It's not like you have to make six different videos. Um, but the thing is, is a lot of people just don't like being in front of a camera, me including. Um, it's not easy, but if that's, that's really the quickest way to grow for free. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's going to slow down either. Yeah, definitely the world we live in because I, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Nathan. I've made several TikToks for the podcast here mm -hmm. and um, I'm no professional or anything. And it's what well, I've, I've found it to be hard to take out a 30 second clip of a, such a great conversation like this that we're having and put it into TikTok. And I'm beginning to have doubts as to whether that's a useful platform to leverage the podcast because for a number of reasons of my own, but there was a business podcast that I followed for years. I mean, I've listened to them since 2018 now. So I, I saw what they were doing in the podcast. That's how I heard of them. That's how I listened to them. 
But I looked on their TikTok and it looks like they tried it for several months and they haven't done anything in like nine months. So I'm wondering if they encountered the same problem I did. What do you think? Well, I mean, my personal TikTok, I haven't gotten on to podcast TikTok, so I don't see a lot of, of podcast TikToks. Um, as far as breaking a podcast down into short clips, I don't know if you were doing this already, but I think this is a great way. Like if you see Joe Rogan, how he has his long podcast and then he has, you know, the, the 10 minute clips and the, the two minute clips. So I think that is more beneficial for a podcast, uh, breaking it down something from, even from this podcast, you could say title to YouTube video, the difference between Google ads and Facebook ads, and just put that little segment in there as well as the full thing, but you're already going to have the full video. You might as well get 10 more pieces of content out of the video that you, that you already, you already filmed, you know, TikTok wise. I mean, you could always post them on there. It's really just a time thing. If you, if you're not seeing the results and you're seeing more results for your time on YouTube or, you know, Facebook, really just test everything out and, and what's working, put, put more of your time into that. I will say, you know, we all see these things on Facebook and uh, YouTube and TikTok and they, they just look so well done. I mean, there's a certain spark that it has that we find all attractive. In my brief tenure into TikTok here, I made three videos, okay? Gosh, that was a lot of work for me. I, this was just like so, so detailed, so second by second. And I was, my temperament is just not suited to that. I mean, let's, let's focus on the big picture. I don't want to concern myself with a 30-second clip. Um, yeah. But that's just me complaining. Um, anyway, Nathan, I want to talk more kind of about your entrepreneurial journey now. What is a mistake that you have made that you would encourage other entrepreneurs to avoid? A mistake I have made, well, I wouldn't say it was quite a mistake, but it's something that I wish I would have done right off the bat or sooner is just really get your processes down and on paper, I think is the biggest thing. An example would be, let's say I get a phone call. All right, what is my line of questions. What are the five questions that I'll generally ask a new client, you know, that you don't always have to, but say they have no idea what they want. I'm going to ask them X, Y, and Z and recommend X, Y, and Z, whether it be setting up your first consultation. What is that meeting agenda? Just having that on paper versus prepping the night before and, and typing it out every single time, just having something that you can copy and paste, save yourself time, um, a follow-up email, just having all of those things just templated out and on paper. And really the main thing of this is just saving time. Cause you can go through and, and I, I'm like just now getting to the point where I'm saving these emails that I sent out and I'm going to reuse them because you can go through and, you know how your processes work generally. So you can go through and, and type out an agenda. It might take 10, 15 minutes, but those 10, 15 minutes every single time will add up and end up being hours and hours of your time long-term. It's really one thing that I 
wish I would have did sooner is just getting everything on paper, whether it be emails, phone call language, meeting agendas, kind of what your packages entail and your service, et cetera. Thank you. That is certainly something that I think can apply to not only marketing, but anything that deals with the clientele, anything that deals with customers. So um, thank you for sharing that. But we're coming up here on time, Nathan. If you would give all the folks who are listening an idea of where they can learn more about you, your company, and what services you offer. Yeah, so to learn more about me and my company, um, you can visit my website at www.murraymarketingservices.com. And really, I've done anything from a logo design, a billboard design, you know, Google ads, Facebook ads, um, websites, really anything and everything a business has needed, um, I can provide and really just be that kind of one, one stop small business shop. You don't have to learn that kind of ride. Let's go. That's pretty good there. That was good. It's like you're a marketer, but really just if you need help on, you don't know where to start, just give me a call and I can provide recommendations um, for free. Obviously I love talking about this stuff. So I, we could hop on a 30 minute call and you just say, Hey, where do I start? And we'll kind of go through that checklist and, and go from there. But yeah, my website's www.murraymarketingservices.com is where you can find more. Awesome. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I will certainly have you on again sometime soon, I'm sure, because I keep wanting to know more about marketing. I know. Well, I, I manage, uh, excuse me, I uh, majored in finance, investment and banking, all those nitty gritty things of the financial world, not the marketing thing. Um, so that that's always interested me. Um, and I didn't get the, the necessary foundation when I was in school. I learned a lot, but there's always more to learn. So anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Nathan. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, John. Whether you allowed us to keep you company on your ride home from the office, during your workout, or as you were getting ready for the day, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this conversation. Be sure to subscribe and follow CEO Sitdowns on whatever podcast platform you use, and I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review, as it helps others find the podcast in the future. And if today's episode called to mind a friend or a family member who you think would really enjoy today's conversation, go ahead and share this episode with them. I'd certainly appreciate it, and hopefully they will too. Thanks again for listening, and may you have a pleasant day wherever you may be. 